Hey everybody, before we get into the show today, wanted to give you a quick update. Between when we recorded the show and when it went live, Novel Coworking rebranded themselves. And this goes well with the broader topic of the show, as it demonstrates their commitment to clients to not just be a thought leader in their industry, but actually execute on it. The new name is Expansive. So anytime you hear us mention Novel Coworking throughout the show, think Expansive. Expansive better reflects the growing range of space and services it offers entrepreneurs, small businesses, and enterprises. So look for branding updates in the days and weeks ahead. And while the company's name is changing, the ownership team and structure remains the same. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. The number of responsibilities and opportunities involved when starting a business or becoming a leader within an organization can overwhelm the best of us. It certainly overwhelms David and Matthew. Join the two hosts as they interview successful leaders about their journey to leadership, including victories, failures, and realizations. This is Like It's Your Job, a podcast from TSG Publishing. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Like It's Your Job, a business-focused podcast where we'll interview business leaders, entrepreneurs, and executives to gather their experiences, their lessons learned, and their successes and failures throughout their career. We have a very, very exciting guest on the show today. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Shields. And I'm your other host, David Shields. We have a great guest on the show today, Chris Elliott, the Chief Operating Officer at Novel Coworking. Previously, she co-founded the Preferred Office Network and served as the president of the company. She has 21 years of experience in the co-working sector and is a strong leader in operations, sales, financial management, and employee development. As a military child and college athlete, Ms. Elliott thrives in changing, challenging environments. And today on the show, she's going to talk to us about how to develop and maintain innovative and quality customer experiences. Hey, Chris, good to have you on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I did a brief intro there, but would love to hear, hear more from, from you. Sure. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm one of those people that has done the same thing their whole lives. And, um, you know, you never think you're going to be that person when you, when you grow up. But I started working in this business in 1999 at a small company called Omni Offices. And I took the job because I wanted to be able to leave at four o'clock to go to grad school and get my MBA. And there were very few organizations at the time that would let me leave early to finish my degree, um, my master's degree. So uh, I took this job and I was writing sales contracts for the sales team and typing up their sales contracts into the computer. And that position at Omni Offices in 1999 has led me, you know, as you mentioned, 21 years to being the chief operating officer at Novel Coworking. And I've really done everything in this business. You know, I've worked in in a center as a community manager. I ran the National Sales Center, the uh, call center for Regis. At one point in my career, I went to Europe, trained the um, corporate accounts team for Europe. And as you mentioned, founded Preferred Office Network. The goal there was to give people, uh, corporate enterprise clients, an option when they were looking for office space on one platform. They really only had Regis as their you know, opportunity to buy from one platform. And so we banded together all of the other companies in the industry and created a second platform. So that was really exciting. And then most recently, and most excitingly, the chief operating officer at Novel Coworking. Um, and I've been with Novel Coworking for three years. And Chris, uh, you know, just on a on a professional note, you know, I'm with Shields Legal Group, obviously, and, and Novel is a, a client and a close client. And uh, we've really... Um, 
worked, our teams on both sides have worked together on a number of different issues, some of which we may or, or may not get in today, um, both challenges and opportunities, particularly challenges in the last year or so. And just have to say uh, how much, how impressed we've been in the professionalism, quality, and uh, and just your dedication to your clients that we've seen working their teams in the last year. Thank you. We feel the same way about you guys. Thank you for having me here. Well, very much appreciate that. And Chris, tell us a little bit about Novel. Absolutely. Novel Coworking is a flexible office leader, and we're focused on space and service solutions for entrepreneurs, small business, and enterprise companies. We were founded in 2012 um, and have a nationwide portfolio of 43 buildings in 33 cities and 3.7 million square feet of workspace. Our workplace solutions meet any company's size and stage of growth and extend beyond co-working to private offices, smart suites, uh, which are lock-enabled, Alexa-enabled, hefty technology-enabled uh, suites with private kitchens. We have event space, self-storage, parking, and traditional office space in our portfolio. So uh, there's two topics that I kind of wanted to start with. The first is, as Matt and I do with every guest, we start with a uh, quote that the that the guest has um, uh, kind of submitted. And yours is, always do business in the daylight which I frankly love. It's just, uh, one, it's an encapsulation of, uh, in our experience, how, how you personally and Novel does business in general. And uh, a way to kick that off might be to, to talk a little bit about Novel's experience and, and how it handled the, uh, the COVID crisis in the last year, particularly as a, you know, as a purveyor of, of uh, real estate space. I love always do business in the daylight. It is it's something that grounds me. I think as I make decisions in our business, I think, am I in the daylight with this? And and it, it guides me, right? Uh, the, the phrase really lends to integrity, transparency, and trust. And those were the, the things that guided us through, through the COVID pandemic. Um, we looked at ways uh, to increase the safety for our clients so that people would feel comfortable coming back to work. We were lucky we never closed our business the entire time. So we stayed open. We continued to provide services for our clients, provided them with mail delivery. But we also enhanced the cleaning, created socially distanced workstations and contactless technologies. So so folks felt safe coming back to work when they were ready. Yeah, I mean, that's that's so important. This is not um, not an industry that would typically fall under essential work. But it is essential because you are providing space, infrastructure, um, and services to, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of small businesses across the United States that may not be able to run their business as effectively had you guys closed your doors. So I think it's awesome that you were able to stay open, stay open the entire time. Right. And, and we own our buildings. So we were, uh, we do provide janitorial and mail service. So we were an essential business. So that was really helpful. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That was, it was nice as we were learning, right. As we were going and it was, it was nice to, to realize that that was something that was possible for us. Um, and you know, we had to look to things like enhancing our mobile app. We quickly realized that having an app was really important. We were able to communicate with our clients directly without trying to put letters in their mailboxes that they didn't know if they would even get, right? <laughs> or send them emails that get clogged up in their inbox. Yeah, Right. Um, we created virtual and part-time office solutions for our clients. Uh, we allowed them to come in 24 hours a day, right? So if you come in from 2 in the morning to 6 in the morning because that's where you feel most comfortable, you had the opportunity to do that as well. 
And are your offices always open 24 hours a day or is that? Yes, a, a that's totally correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's right. Yep. You have 24 seven access to your office and your services. We added outdoor amenity spaces for people to be able to work outside. And I'm most proud of this piece. We partnered with Shields Legal Group, your, your firm guys to um, offer payroll protection plan loan support to our clients. Uh, teaching our clients which banks and which credit unions would have loans for them and how to apply for those loans and what documentation they would need to prepare in advance of the opening day uh, when those loans became available. So, so much more than just office space during this time. Yeah, you, you guys really are a, a strategic partner or, or have been a strategic partner throughout, which is, uh, which is a good differentiator in the, in the co-working space. Absolutely. And, you know, Chris, I was, you know, part of the SLG team. One of the things that we did was provide that, um, uh, provide a client portal for questions uh, related to the PPP. And, and, and I was part of the team personally that was responding and uh, getting access to those questions. And it really was, it doesn't surprise me that uh, the level of effort and the focus you had on your clients during that time, because um, some of those uh, queries that came in were... You know, desperate is too strong of a word, but really asking for resources and help. And it was uh, definitely a trying time. And it's a testament to your commitment to your clients um, and your interaction with your clients that you were uh, willing to provide that kind of service. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. We uh, we quickly realized that everybody was nervous, right? Nobody's ever done this before. And there were there were companies who weren't able to pay their rent. There were different uh, office providers were furloughing um, their, their clients. Everybody we knew was worried about their jobs. And we quickly realized that the best thing we could do for our clients was to teach them, to tell them everything we knew, right? But we have these strategic partners and we were learning a lot about our own PPP opportunities. And so why not partner with you guys? Um, your firm made videos and posted it on that portal that you mentioned, um, you know, it was it was great for our clients to be able to safely and confidentially go to the portal, ask questions, and work with a firm outside of you know as somebody intimate like their own legal teams, who frankly were overwhelmed. Right, all the banks were overwhelmed. If you were a one or two person company, I suspect you had a lot of hard you know a lot of trouble at that time finding resources and we quickly jumped in and, and, and got that done together. And I appreciate that very much. Yeah, especially when, you know, everybody's saying submit payroll documents, IRS 940s and 941s. You know, if, if you're a one-person shop, you probably, even a 10-person shop, you probably don't have payroll. So how do you then apply for PPP now? Now we know there are mechanisms, but I could see how that would cause a lot of stress for the leaders of uh, uh, you know some of these these smaller businesses. So one one question I have about the quote always do business in the daylight. You know who is the attributed author of the quote? How did you come across this? What what's the history behind it? I came across this by um, when I worked for Preferred Office Network. Um, my partners were really great leaders. And I feel very lucky to have worked for them, all of them during that time. Great motivators, great mentors. And I, I, I learned the most about myself and leadership and the type of leader I wanted to be from my three mentors at Preferred Office Network. But John Jordan, I'll never forget the first time John Jordan said that to me. He said, 
the kind of, Chris, we're always going to be the kind of firm that does business in the daylight. And it doesn't matter who you are. When you hear that, you know exactly what we're talking about. And we, we make tough decisions today at work. I'll have a community manager who will ask me a question and I'll say, gosh, that just doesn't feel like we're in the daylight, right? Mm-hmm. And then we'll pivot and do something different because you know, if you, if you truly hold yourself to that standard, sometimes you make hard decisions that you have to, and you have to clean up behind some things that are more difficult, but you always feel good about who you are at the end of the day and people trust you. And that's what we're, that's what we're really proud of at, at Novel Coworking. So now on to the, the main topic for, for the episode today, you know, developing and maintaining quality and innovative customer experiences. Um, how, what are your thoughts on, and I, it's sort of a leading question because I know we talked about this before the show, but what are your thoughts on the, the teams and the individuals that react or interact, excuse me, directly with clients of, of novel? How, you know, how do you, um, incentivize them, train them? How does that look? Because those are the, really the boots on the ground. You're right. Um, at novel coworking, we hire winners. That's the best way I can put it is if, if, if you're a winner, we're really interested in working with you. If you're not, you're probably not going to chase it down for us, right? So we hire winners, we inspire them, and we invest our time in them. And I've, what I've learned over the past, you know, since I've been here three years is that the first 30 days at a new job are tough, right? People are always wondering, did I make a good choice? Am I doing a good job? Does this new company like me? And so we stay really close to our new team members and we cut early if the fit isn't right. And cutting early is just as important as investing in, in, in that staying power for your new employees because employees, I believe, deserve to be loved and admired and they deserve to feel successful. And people don't feel successful when they're losing. It doesn't feel good. They deserve a chance, I believe, to go and find an opportunity to work somewhere where it will be a good fit for them. So we hire winners, invest in them, (laughs) spend a lot of time with them in the first 30 days, support, really just give a lot of good resources. Our training program is very robust. And then we make decisions very early as well. If it isn't a good fit, we cut and we move on. And, And the reason we do that is because our clients deserve the very best. And if I don't have a good community manager, this is the this is the person whose personality and the day they're having infuses into the entire community. And if they're having a good day, you know, 99 out of 100 days, our clients will have a good day and have a good experience. And that's that's the motivation behind getting the team right. You know, I, I, I have a lot of conversations with with recent graduates from universities throughout Dallas. And one of the things I tell them is as you're looking for your first job out of school, you should make sure that the the opportunity is as much of a good fit for yourself in your own career path as you are for your employer. And you sort of touched on that theme there, that, you know, cut early. If this isn't the right role for you, if you're not going to be happy in this role, you know, that individual should continue to look for other opportunities in which they have the ability to thrive and excel and be happy. Uh, that may just require a different skill set than the, than the current role they're with, you know, at Novel. And we don't always get it right. Uh, I have 55 team members. I'm going to make a bad hire occasionally, right? Um, or even more so, an employee is going to choose to come to work for us and make a mistake. You have to love your clients if you work in our communities. You have to love people, thrive on human interaction. COVID should have been the worst thing that could have possibly happened in terms of just missing people. 
and and missing out on experiences and belonging and being part of a group. Uh, If you don't feel that way, then you won't love being a community manager. So you have to have all of the administrative and the financial background and you're running a building, right? So it's a big job, but and you have to order supplies and you load the dishwasher. So it's not all glamorous. But if you don't, if you, if you can't wait to get into the kitchen in the morning when the clients are making their coffee and understanding how their dog is and where they're going on vacation when the pandemic opens, opens travel up again. If you can't wait to be there, then you're right for this position. But if you don't love that, we should all move on. Right. And, and we're very good at establishing that early on and, and making those changes. You touched on this briefly earlier. What does the training program look like? You know, is there a, a central training location where all of your, your nationwide employees go to, to congregate? You know, what is it two weeks, one week ongoing for 30 days, a little bit at a, at a time? What, what does that look like? We go to them. So all of our buildings are different. Um, we try to have as much standardization as possible, but every building is different, different size, different clients, different amount of traditional clients. Some have security, you know, some have different technology. So we go to our new uh, community managers and sales team. We go to their locations and we train them on site. We teach them about their building um, and work with them on the specifics for, for running their business. It lasts one week, hip to hip, right there on site. And then the following week is more into the database like the CRM and, and some of the training that goes on behind the scenes. So it's two weeks long. We can typically evaluate an employee in that amount of time, mm-hmm. in that first two weeks. That's great. There's so many different approaches to employee training. Um, and, and Novel is so unique in that, and you hit it perfectly, all of the buildings and all of the sites have their own, almost their own personality, right? They have different right. levels of technology, different floor plans. Some may have large outdoor spaces with an outdoor coffee shop or something along those lines or or close coffee shop and making sure that the community managers and other team members have the ability to capture the essence of that individual site, I think is, is very important. Absolutely. And then we do one other thing that, that is important to note. We do something called second round of training. So after a month of being with us on your own, we'll send some tenured team members back in and we're doing two things that two or three day period. We're giving you a friend, right? And someone to say, gosh, this happens in my building. And this, this, this person who comes in is not a trainer, is not a member of the leadership team, but is a colleague who comes in and says that happens in my building too. And here's what I do about that. Helps you set up your mailroom in a way that makes sense for your building and really just gives you somebody that you, that you now know that you can call and you know, communicate with on a regular basis. Did this happen to you? This happened today? Is this weird? So a safe space just to sometimes commiserate and, you know, and sometimes celebrate the successes that happen in the building with a safe colleague who, um, who's been there. And we've, we've seen a lot of success in that as well. We had a similar program to that at Deloitte. I, um, I can't remember what our peer was called and my, my ex-colleagues at Deloitte are going to make fun of me now. Uh, but it was just, you know, this was the person to ask the stupid questions that there's no way to know the answer to. Where do I enter my time? Um, mm-hmm. How do I get office supplies while I'm in the office? My badge doesn't work. Who do I contact? Things like that, where, you know, 
that's just a, a an experienced individual that can provide answers and best practices to help navigate the processes, systems, and culture within the firm when you're new. Yeah, I love that. That's great. I don't know what made what made us think of that, but it's been really successful and people love it. And when we get together for our annual community manager trips, which we do and we love to do, we talk about that. We talk about that visit was the one that I knew I was going to be okay, both on their side and our side. They said, it. it was great to know that I'm, I'm not alone in some of what I might think is unique to my building. Um, and also, you might think you have something difficult that is happening in your building. And then you realize this person who comes in says, I have three of those. <laughs> you know, it also makes you feel better about the luck of the draw that you got living in the city that you live in. Chris, you've talked about the the level of investment that you make in your employees and the encouragement and support that you provide to those community managers to provide, uh, you know, to really uh, build a community out of your uh, clients and uh, in each building. From a, from a building to building perspective, what little things do you do to make sure that the client finds is the right fit for the community that you're building? That's a great question. So we put a lot of emphasis on community and belonging in our buildings. We all want to feel like we matter, right? And that our contributions are important. And we want to feel like we're part of something. And the small details like saying good morning and my pleasure bring big results and brighten and brighten our day, right? Um, both on the employee side and the client side. So we're very good at creating these connections. For example, we'll introduce the graphic designer in office 15 to the marketing firm down the hall, right? And I just thought you guys would would have similar philosophies and would enjoy knowing each other and connecting with each other. And that's going above and beyond to build business relationships for your clients that don't exist in really any other office environment. Uh, right. So we'll leave um, another example of that is we leave handwritten notes for a client who might not attend the community events. Clients have varying degrees of participation in community events. So we had, we just recently had St. Patrick's Day and we had, you know, self-serve snacks and Guinness and decorations for St. Patrick's Day and all of our Irish, you know, colleagues and clients were called out in a special way. We had Irish dancing in some of our locations, really fun, engaging community events. But we do have those clients who it might be tax season and they can't get away for those events. But our community managers will take a bottle of Guinness and a little shamrock with a note to that client's office that says, we missed you at our event. Hope you had a great St. Patrick's Day. And that is that inclusion that we're looking for to give to all of our clients, allowing everybody to feel like they belong in the community in whatever way they want to belong in the community. And that that piece is really important to us. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, it's It's really sounds like the primary thing that you're offering in addition to just a, a, a place for somebody to build a business or house their business or service their clients as a community that that uh, fosters their success in more than just a place to land or a place to office. It matters, right? Because these are your colleagues. So if you work, I'm in Atlanta. So if you work at the Coca-Cola campus downtown in, in Atlanta, everybody works for Coca-Cola. So you walk into the building, you know, you meet all of your Coca-Cola colleagues. But in our buildings, our clients work for different companies. So you you form this 
work relationship, these are your, 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 your colleagues, right? In the building, but you don't work for the same company. So that culture that's established in that environment is so interesting. You watch it unfold and every building is different. The culture of every building is different because the client makeup is very different. And again, that constant focus on belonging and allowing people to participate in the community in a way that works for them is so important. And the community manager drives a big part of that in how he or she fosters community in their organizations. As the chief operating officer, your responsibilities are, I imagine, numbersome. You know, they are numerous. That's probably a better word. You know, all the way from procurement to making sure, you know, the lights stay on. Where would you say, you know, relationships, community development, you know, falls on your list of priorities for the locations? Um, You know, is it, are they all interrelated? And that's, that's hard to distinguish. Um, You know, where does, you know, where does the sense of community fall in, in you know, your total overall list of responsibilities? Really high. Um, I would say top two or three in terms of client satisfaction. At Novel Coworking, we believe that nobody can tell you how you're doing better than your clients. And it's not always glamorous, right? You know, but you have to ask your clients how you're doing and then you have to act. You have to say, how are we doing? And no matter what they tell you, you have to do something about it. Whether you say, I understand that that's frustrating and we're not going to be able to do anything about that and here's why. But you have to act. And we, we mix formal and informal client solicitation feedback. Uh, we do net promoter score, you know, every year. We also ask the question when we visit our locations. So I'm famous for popping into a client's office, telling them who I am and saying, we're really, thank you for your business. We're, we're thrilled that you're here. Is there anything we can do more, more of? Or is there anything we shouldn't be doing? Or did you tell me about the last community event you participated in? So we hit the hard stuff head on and then we celebrate the successes big. So I'm, you know, also known for popping in, talking to a client, hearing a rave review and then sending that out to all of the community managers. Today, I met John Smith in Indianapolis, and this is what he said about our community manager. And everybody has started to want that, right? So my community managers um, that I'm very, very lucky to work with, they are truly the best in the industry. And, and I would know, right? I've been around a long time. They are excited about getting that feedback and hearing great things from their clients. Um, and a lot of them are surprised, right? It's just they're doing what they do. They're doing what they do every day and what they should be doing every day. And then they're being rewarded with this amazing feedback, which is truly the most important thing you can give to a community manager. That's interesting that you that you do that. I wonder if um, you know there's a little bit of a, of lore around that at the different locations. You know, oh man, Chris Elliott stopped by my my office today. She sat at my desk. She asked me questions about you know the service that we're delivering. I imagine that would spread you know like like wildfire within the tenants, right? I mean, I, I'm curious if you've gotten that feedback. It does. It's um it's so humbling. So I'll I'll sit down with a recruiter who has two recruiters in their firm or a real estate agent. And they'll say, wait, you're the COO. Thank you for talking to me. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, thank you for talking to me. I mean, clients don't realize, consumers don't realize, often realize that the business leaders want to know. 
and they want to be great and they want to deliver great service. And, you know, sometimes I hear you need to start your cleaning, uh, you know, for here would be a good example. You need to start your cleaning at eight o'clock PM instead of six o'clock PM. It's distracting. That's excellent feedback. I would never know that, but you know how easy it is to make that change, right? Our, our janitorial staff is totally fine with that or can move some clients around to different office buildings and accommodate that request for our clients. But then you follow up with your client and you say that feedback mattered and I did something about it. And then you will hear that tenfold. I mean, they're the first ones to go on and give you a positive Google review after you do that. The chief operating officer sat down with me, listened, and then did what I asked them to do. And you never see that. And and I just wish there were more of more more Chris Elliotts to do more of that. Um, and one of the reasons I'm really excited about travel and restrictions lifting, so I can get back out there more often and do more of those things. It's my favorite part of the job. Well, and you know that that's another reason to have you know great community managers, right? They they should fill you know some of. I don't think they can fill all of that role. There's only one Chris Elliott. We all know that. Uh, but, you know, to, to fill a little bit of that role and, and have those conversations with the tenants. I think that's a, that's important. That's right. And that goes back to fostering those great hires and giving them great training and support from the very beginning. It truly is all cyclical, right? You, you, it all starts with these, these good behaviors, these doing the next right thing and then leads to client satisfaction. But you can't just wish client satisfaction upon your business. You have to invest in it and build it from the beginning. Well, thank you, Chris, for telling us about, um, you know, all of the the kind of the little things and the effort you take to building a a community. I think that's really what, what makes Novel shine. And I've been fortunate enough to see it on a day-to-day basis. But what role does technology or data analysis play as part of those efforts in that community building that you engage in? Well, technology, as you know, has to be fast and it has to make life easier. Um, so one example of, of this at Novel Coworking is our custom client app. So we built it ourselves and it's awesome. Uh, it allows us to communicate with our community and it also allows us to build community with, within, our, within our business centers, within our buildings. Um, so our clients can use the app to pay their bill. Uh, they can book and unlock their conference rooms. They can uh, connect to the Wi-Fi uh, in the center. Uh, they can reserve and pay for parking. So it's really robust and we built it for ourselves. So we took all of the experience we have in the business, all of the uniqueness of novel co-working, and we built a custom app that works great for our clients. I always tell my team who, who aren't technology experts, right? Or, nor are they analysts, uh, which is another part of your question. But I tell the community managers, Technology is like the kicker on a football team, right? You have no idea that he's there until he misses. And then you're, you know, then it's big news, right? (laughs) And so our technology has to be, it has to be like the kicker. It has to be solid. It has to always work. Uh, Our clients have to trust and the community managers have to believe in it as well. So they don't say things to like to the clients like, oh, this never works or anything like that, that, you know, young people tend to say. On the data analysis side, the second part of your question, uh, we use data to answer a lot of questions about our future. So like we use the net promoter score to drive our next actions and our to try to do the next best activity for our clients, we use data to determine what people are interested in buying. So a really good uh, example of this is when the COVID pandemic hit, our co-working memberships went down 
but our virtual office memberships skyrocketed. So we were able to use that data and look at our client analysis and say, okay, our clients are buying these products because these are the products that feel safe to our clients right now. So let's build that product in a better way. So we created remote access to the buildings, for example. So we were able to tell our clients, you may not see anybody at nine o'clock PM when you come to the building, but we're here and here's how you can access the building safely. We put foot poles and touchless faucets on our restrooms and in our kitchens. And we communicated all of that through the app to our clients so they would feel comfortable returning to the buildings. Um, so we created a much more robust virtual office program and we're transitioning clients into a virtual office program who need a few months before coming back to their office. So listening to our clients, and helping them make buying decisions that works best for their business and using the data to, to drive our own focus and analysis. Like you said, we're all very busy and that data allows us to decide where to focus our time. Is there a, a networking component to to the technology that, that Novel goes to market with? I mean, if, if I have a question and, and need a new insurance broker or uh, accounting vendor or whoever it may be, is there a central location that I can ask maybe other novel tenants, novel directly for recommendations? Absolutely. That's part of the app. So when you think about our app, it's both a functional app where you can pay your bill and book your meeting rooms, but it's also a social media form of the app. So within the community, it provides that social media element. So where do you guys park when you come to the building? Might be one of the questions that comes up or, hey, I have these two file cabinets that I want to get rid of. Does anybody want those? Or uh, it's tax time and I need an accountant. Are there any accountants? And you'll see the accountant down the hall pop in and say, I'm in office 412. <laughs> Come and see me anytime. And it's amazing, right? Um, do I know an accountant? I am an accountant. I am an accountant, right. <laughs> and so the business is happening. I mean, can you imagine how long it would have taken you to source an accountant that you would meet and you would want to know if they were a quality you know, provider. And instead you can drop down to the kitchen and have a cup of coffee with somebody in two minutes. Mm -hmm. And and it can help build that, that sense of trusted relationship within the community, because now, you know, John Smith, the accountant or Jane Doe, the accountant down the hall in, in suite 412. Um, and you can talk to other clients and prospective tenants about the, you know, their relationship, uh, should they have one. With, with That's them. right. Oh, and you'll see that in the app, too. You'll see another client pop in and say, I use John and he's excellent. And then so now you just got a positive referral for John, you know, all within a matter of minutes. So that that's been a really great. I didn't realize how much we needed and loved our app until we until we had the pandemic. And then as we're recovering, how thoughtful our clients are being about each other and trying to do business with small companies or members of their community. Chris, I'm curious, um, just just uh, for those that are maybe maybe listening and considering the process of developing an app, do you have just a, a quick few minutes on your experience in managing a team and scoping and creating an app in-house? Yes. Well, first of all, it's very expensive. So I would say prepare yourself for the initial cost and then the ongoing cost because we knew what we wanted in an app, but as we got it, we started to want it to do more things. So my advice is set aside three to $400,000 and then 
$50,000 a year to enhance the app. And I imagine that will continue to go down over time. Um, and find an app provider that builds apps. This is my second piece of advice. There are a lot of companies who think, sure, I can build an app. And that is not who you want to work with, in my opinion. I would pick somebody who builds apps, who you can look at their other apps, who's going to give you dedicated customer service. The person that we work with uh, in-house with our app developer takes my calls when I call every single time. And I'm usually pontificating. Wouldn't it be great if, and he, I probably drive him crazy and I'm going to make sure he <laughs> listens to this, but I say, wouldn't it be great if when you booked your meeting room, you could click a button and it would open your door. Can I do that? How do I do that? And, you know, he says, yep, we need this other piece of technology on the doors. But yeah, we can do that. And we did that. Yeah. So it's all very exciting. And we're all creating this community and technology together. Me, uh, my side of it is, it would be amazing if we could do this because our clients would love it. And their side of it is, let's do that. That sounds really cool. And then, you know, maybe they sell that technology or that they've learned something and they can take that to their other clients. And the, the other side of that is, I think, um, that I don't think the website needs to do exactly the same things that the app does either. Um, that would be my other piece of advice is that you can have a community app and then you can have a non-client facing website, like a prospecting website, but your app can be for your clients and that's okay. Um, so we've made a decision to keep our app exclusive to our clients so that we can communicate and, and market and build community within our buildings without having our clients get a bunch of solicitations. So, so that was another really good move that we made that we weren't sure if we were making the right decision, but it turned out to be excellent, an excellent decision. I love it. Well, I think, I think that concludes the, the, the majority of our discussion today. We are um, going to uh, move on to our next section, the, the rapid fire question section. Chris, we ask these same questions to all of the guests on the show, same five questions every, every time. And we just asked that the guests provide a, a quick, succinct answer. Uh, I, got, I got a question in our last podcast recording. What is quick and succinct? Uh, it's purely subjective on my behalf. So uh, <laughs> I, may, uh, I may ask that we move on quickly, but, uh, but please, uh, please just know they're coming. All right. What is the one habit that most contributes to your success? Determination. And dinner with three people, dead or alive? Uh, Winston Churchill, because of leadership. I love a leadership lesson. The The author of The Librarian of Auschwitz, Jennifer Gardner, I would have dinner with her because she's real. <laughs> I, <love laughs> I would it. love to have dinner with her and make all my friends very jealous. I love it. And if you had $1 million to invest anywhere, where would that be? You can say novel co-working, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what no, I should no, say. No ban on shameless promotion. <laughs> novel co-working or electric vehicle technology. I think I would independence from oil. That's what I would, that's what I would invest in. I love it. As, as somebody who's heavily invested in Tesla and, uh, and, you know, has part of a family that owns two Teslas. I, I love that. Yep. What is the top skill you look for in your team? Happy people, because that's who people like to be around. Love it. And what are your competitors? greatest opportunities, not, not your greatest opportunity, your competitors. Well, um, so flex is hot. And our model is going to come back first. There's no question about that. So the industry itself has tremendous potential and opportunity. The pandemic has really thinned the herd. And we're starting to prove finally that profitability matters. I would say profitability. 
you mean the, the WeWork model of losing billions every quarter is not a sustainable business model? Right. I mean, right. It, <laughs> it didn't make sense to anybody. Yet we kept years went by. And finally, you say, well, I get I guess that works, but it sure doesn't. The math doesn't add up. Right. And then <laughs> and then you realize, oh, OK, yes, good. I wasn't crazy. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And, that, and that's one of the main reasons why uh, why the novel business model, I think, is, is much stronger, and more sustainable. You touched on it at the top of the show. Um, you know, you guys own the real estate underneath um, and that that changes the economics materially of, of novel and, and allows and, and frees up the you know novel's ability to provide better services uh, with more latitude and access to their property and overall control over the community and customer experience on the property. Yeah, we by by owning our buildings, uh, we're able to invest in bigger and better infrastructure. Um, and at the same time, lower pricing, much lower than our competitors. So it does, it gives you the ability to always say yes to your clients, right? If you want to move from a co-working membership to a smart suite, you can do that because we can build it. We either have it or we can build it for you. You can take a full floor office, uh, a full floor in our building, custom built, and we'll, we'll build that for you. So you, you never grow out of novel co-working, right? You contract and expand at, at the, at the rate that works best for your business. And we satisfy every stage of your company's life cycle. So yeah, that ownership model, that, that's the key. Well, that concludes, that concludes our show today. Thank you, Chris, so much for, for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure. It was a pleasure having you on. Well, thanks again to Chris Elliott for joining us. And thank you all of us for joining us on episode three. Today, we heard about novel co-working and Chris Elliott and how Chris instills the qualities of an integrity, transparency, and trust using the quote, always do business in the daylight. We heard about a focus on tenant and client community, on how hiring impacts that. And my favorite aspect was you have to reach out to your clients, teach them everything that you know in trying situations like the COVID-19 pandemic, and always ask for feedback and then take action following that feedback. Thank you, everyone. Yes, thanks, everybody. And if you like what you heard here, follow us on Spotify or Apple Music. Visit us at growthtoexit.com or shieldslegalgroup.com. And make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels for relevant business content. If you're interested in, in learning more about Novel or, or maybe even becoming a, a client, go to novelcoworking.com. That's their website. Use their very robust chat function where they'll be helpful and answer any questions you might have. Or you can go tour any of their 43 locations nationwide, all of which is found on their website. They, they allow for tours between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. You can either schedule on the website or just, just walk into a location and explore yourself. Thank you, Chris, for, for joining us today. Thank you for having me.